you for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Good morning. Good morning. You guys awake this morning? Man, second service, always our favorite, always the best. You, look, you actually look hands down better than first service, so thank you for hanging out. And do, you did a great job. Give yourself a round of applause for looking so good. This, whoa, apparently you don't think you look that great. That was pretty. Let's try that again. Give yourself a round of applause. There it is. Man, you made it to the right Sunday. You made it to the right church. We are in week three of a series called Goals. And the whole principle behind this is just unpacking God's goals for the relationships in our life. Uh, We've been saying this each week because we believe this, and that is that the greatest season of your life is directly tied to who you do life with. And uh, listen, we we get this, right? Uh, Some of the greatest moments, the greatest experiences, the greatest memories that we have are directly tied to some amazing people in our life. When you think back through your childhood and your junior high, high school years, maybe some of you are in high school, you, you can think of some great times that you had and they probably are connected to someone that was in the journey of life with you. As equally though, we can think back to moments, maybe weeks, months, or even years, where tragic heart, heartbreak seemed to be more of the theme of our life, or just challenges that we didn't know how to navigate through and and man honestly they were just kind of directly tied to the people that we do life with i mean listen relationships would be with people would be great if people weren't involved can i get a what what from some great people in this church listen if you're feeling it say yeah all right if it's deep and profound say wow and if you don't like it say nothing that's how we roll around here and so we're kind of unpacking some concepts and ideas as how do we navigate the relationships from, from all, all, all relationships involved? And here's what I can promise you. Uh, we don't have all the answers, but the Word of God has a great answer for you. And I can promise you this. You can come to every single sermon preached at the Movement Church, and you are not going to have a perfect relationship. But I do believe you can find fulfillment in the relationships that you are in. Last week we talked about marriage goals, and I, I think that no matter what season of life you're in, you can find something that pertains to you, even in that. If you missed it, go back and check out our podcast. And today I want to talk about kind of the challenges that we face in relationships. And that can be any relationship in your life, no matter if it's with your children, with your spouse, with your parents, whether it's with that, you're just desperately looking for a spouse, Mr. or Mrs. Wright, do they even exist? And and we're going to talk about the challenges that we face. And I I think that, uh, in fact, my hope and my prayer is to go practical with this today. Because I think we need to know sometimes, what is the next step for me to take? Does that make sense? If you want to, you can journey with us. You can text the word notes to the number on the screen. And, and I've put all of my notes, well, most of my notes in there. So you can follow along in the YouVersion app. And you can type in your own notes, read the scripture. And then you can email it to you for later. I know you guys love to ponder on the wisdom that I give you for a moment. No? Nobody. Why'd you laugh? That was the worst place to laugh. You're like, ha, ha, ha. No, but follow along with us. It'll be worth it. And I I think these are worth taking notes on. Uh, But uh, let me just pray for us, and uh, let's get started in this today. It's going to be very practical. So just do me a favor. Bow your heads and and close your eyes. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you're here in this place, and 
man, well, the truth is we need you. We need you more than we need anything else. We don't have the inside of the wisdom on our own, but God, I, I believe thoroughly that you desperately want to be a part of our life and help us learn how to navigate the challenges that we face. So today, God, I, I just ask that you do what only you can do, that you would be God. And for the next few moments, we give you permission to rearrange the proverbial furniture of our life. In Jesus' name I pray, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Or you can just say, yeah, that's yeah. cool too. I got this clip I want you to watch, and it's, uh, it's pretty hysterical. It's a friend of mine. I was at dinner with a good friend, and um, it's actually... He, he and his, his wife, it's her mom, if that makes sense, and his daughter were on a roller coaster at Disney World, and they just showed this to me because uh, I think really just to make me laugh, and it did. And so I think you just need to watch this clip. So guys, go ahead and put that on and, and just, just enjoy. All right, I, I think that's, that's enough torment. Is that not phenomenal? Uh, real, real, this isn't like something they found on YouTube. This is like his, her mom, and she's just screaming. And, and I love that. If you've ever, have you ever been that person on the roller coaster? Would you raise your hand? Did anybody ever force you on a roller coaster and you were crying beforehand? I did it to my daughter. It was amazing. And, and, and this is just like the perfect depiction of, of, of relationships. I mean, just sheer excitement and, and anticipation, and then just sheer shock and awe and terror. And that, by the way, is the epitome of a Southern woman. Did you hear that? <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus! Did you hear that? That's what I grew up with. And Oh, my, have mercy! I don't even know what that means, but it made sense, and so... I love this. And so this, this video, I think, is just a, a great depiction of relationships that we're in. Is they, they really can be so exciting and yet so challenging. And today I want to talk about the challenges that we face in any relationship. And I don't have the, the time in a week to try to pinpoint the exact challenge that you may have faced or may be facing in your relationships. But you can contextualize this for yourself. Whether this is uh, in relation to challenges, in, in relationship with your friends, or with a married, a, a loved one, or with your employee, or employers, or whatever it may be. And I just want to talk about this, because when challenges hit, sometimes we don't know what to do. And those challenges can be when it seems like divorce is inevitable, 
Or it can be if you desperately are just longing to find Mr. Right or Mrs. Right, and you're just wondering, do they even exist anymore? And I mean, or, or honestly, can I just be transparent? What if I or someone that I love screws up? That's a big challenge. And what do we do? So I want to talk about three challenges today that we face in relationships. And I want to give some real practical insight for this. And again, my, my request of you would be to you, you contextualize this for your life and the relationship spheres that you have. So three challenges. Number one, one of the challenges that we face in relationships is what we're going to call conflict. Conflict. And, and let me give you a couple of, uh, of uh, uh, definitions for the word conflict. Number one is to come into collision or disagreement to be contradictory or in opposition to clash. Right? This is the incompatibility or interference as of one idea, desire, event, or activity with another person. Let me just kind of put it to you in a word picture. This is as if we are headed down the highway of life. Everything seems to be good. I've got cruise control on, and then the person in front of me slams on their brake, and I'm applying the brakes as much as I possibly can, but it's inevitable that there's going to be a fender, bend, a fender bender. I'm going to run, run into the back of these guys. This is like DEFCON 3, if I could. So this isn't like a life-threatening challenge, but yet it's a very real conflict. Another way to put this would be we're not on the same proverbial page. You're reading this page and I'm reading this one, and yet we're trying to accomplish the same thing. Now, this could be conflict with a spouse. This could be conflict with an employee or an employer. And listen, let me just be honest for a moment. Sometimes we feel like we're on a different page from God. Like he has one plan and I have another, and I'm not sure how this whole thing works together. Conflict. This could be in raising your children, because kids be crazy, right? Or children, this might be raising your parents. And you're like, parents be crazy, right? And like, what do we do now? This child wants something from me all the time. I have to feed them more than once a month? This is ridiculous, right? Like, there's just challenges. Or maybe you have just entered a season where a child that you have uh, is coming home with letters from a principal on a regular basis. Or maybe you just desperately want that child to finally move out of your home. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Or maybe you are in a conflict of a relationship with your parents where you are grown and you feel like you're actually the parent, parental role in that relationship. Conflict. This is uh, the idea of maybe facing some conviction. My convictions are being challenged with the squad, my friends, the people that I do life with. They want this, but I want... This is what I feel God's put in my life, but yet I feel so much pressure to be this. It's the idea or the concept that I, I'm not getting what I want. Anybody in here like to get what you want? Raise your hand. Just be honest. Thank you. The rest of you are liars. You're definitely liars. You know, just that, that we, I now, because of the relationship with this person, I cannot, we are not firing at the same, we're not, this isn't working. And this might seem small, but if we don't deal with this, then this becomes something that is larger and more out of control that we actually now are faced with something very real. The antonym of, of conflict is a word like agreement, harmony, and peace. And some of you you, you, you would say, you know, my marriage isn't awful, but there's no peace in my marriage. 
There's a constant friction. Or maybe you say, there's, there's not a peace in my life because I, I desperately want some friends who follow the same principles and values that I do. And this conflict comes up on a regular basis. And I want to talk some practicals with you. And here's, you, again, insert your conflict here. Whatever it might be. And here's my practical application for you. If you're here today and you're facing conflict, my challenge is when facing conflict, take responsibility. Take responsibility. You be the one to own up and take responsibility. You be the one to step up and say, you know what, I can own this. And again, let me just say something that may sound offensive, and if it is, just email me at I don't care at the OCMovement.com. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But listen, if you're an idiot, own it. Right? If you make a decision and you say something you know you should not have said it, the best thing to do is to come back and go, hey, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. Take ownership for it. The scripture paints this amazing picture uh, about how we're to take ownership and responsibility for our behavior. It's found in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. And this is the message translation. Check this out. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 says this. Don't pick on people, jump on their failures, criticize their faults, unless, of course, you want the same treatment. That critical spirit has, been, has a way of boomeranging. It's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you when your own face is distorted by contempt? It's this whole traveling roadshow mentality all over again. Playing a holier-than-thou part instead of just living your part. Wipe that ugly sneer off your face and you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. You may have read that same passage a little bit different where you might have read, why are you trying to pull the splinter out of your neighbor's eye when you've got a plank or a log in your own? And I think some of the conflict that we face, we're so quick to assess blame, we're so quick to point the finger, and the best thing we can do is take responsibility, especially for our behavior. You know, that is what seems to turn the tide in the fights that I get into with my wife. I know it may seem crazy that we actually bicker and fight, but it happens a lot. I'm praying for her. If you guys would too, that'd be great. But you know, when we're, when we're in an argument or we're fighting about something, you know what turns the tide when I make the best decision on a regular basis? What tends to turn the tide is when one of us says, hey, you know what, you're right. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. You know, I, I do need to make an adjustment. It lowers the defenses of everything that we're walking through. Now we're on the same page trying to figure out what do we need to accomplish. So take some responsibility for your behavior. Another thing to take responsibility for is turning the situation around. You and I are responsible to not just, just like deal with the conflict and let it go, but turn the situation around. How can we actually turn this thing around? You see, one of the things I think we're so good at is when conflict happens, we love to talk about it, complain about it, and gripe about it, but do absolutely nothing about it. I call that being a pansy. Talk about it, complain about it, and gripe about it, but do nothing about it. And in fact, listen, if you're here today and you're not really sure where you are in belief or what your faith is, permission not to believe. But if you're here and, and you're a follower of Christ, I know you've seen this, not in you, probably your neighbor, but you've seen this. As Christians, we've gotten really good at something happens to us. I get frustrated, then I go to my connect group and I'm like, so sad. 
Not to the person who, I don't know why you make that body motion. I've seen you do that. It's weird. Well, I don't know why we do that. We, we just start to get upset about it, but we don't actually want to do something about it. And I believe we've got to take responsibility to turn the situation around. Matthew 18 talks about this. And this passage of Scripture is not one, we've read it before, but we don't actually like to do this because it places the responsibility on us to handle the conflict. Check this out. Matthew 18 says this. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him. What's that word say? Alone. And if he listens to you, you've gained a brother. Now what this doesn't mean is to go to your brother and slap him in the face and say, you're an idiot and you need to apologize. But just taking responsibility and going to someone who's frustrated you where conflict abounds and saying, hey, we, we got to talk. And the point and the objective of this is so that you can remain family. Because wow. if they've listened, then you've gained a brother. Look at me and lean in for just a moment. People do not like this. We love to complain about how someone wronged us but if it takes some conflict between me and you because I actually have to bring to you something that you may have done or said that it was offensive to me, I get uncomfortable, I sweat above my lip, I don't know what to say, and I hem-haw around, and then I just apologize, and then I'm more angry, and my wife was like, did you say this? And I'm like, don't tell me what to say, you weren't there. <laughs> Are y'all tracking with me this morning? And we have responsibility to turn this thing around. So something, there's conflict, and, and maybe you're, you didn't do anything wrong. Maybe conflict showed up on your doorstep. We still have a responsibility to try to maintain that family relationship. Are you on tracking today? So make sure you take responsibility in turning the situation around. Another thing we need to take responsibility is we need to take responsibility to change. When we're facing conflict, again, we're so quick and so easy to say, you did this, and you need to stop acting like that, and you need to stop saying this, and every time, and, and I think the first thing when facing conflict is to go, hey, wait a minute, what can I do differently? How can I change my perspective so that I don't behave this way continually? Are y'all tracking? I don't know why it is that we live in a society that doesn't want to take ownership for our own behavior, yet point the finger at everyone else. I think the scripture here is saying, we need to take responsibility for our behavior. Like, uh, there's another guy who said something very similar to that. His name is Gandhi. He said, be the change you want to see in the world. Doesn't that sound like a great birthday card or something like that? <laughs> take responsibility to change. Another thing, another challenge that we face in relationships is what I like to call collapse. Collapse. So we've got conflict, and then another challenge would be collapse. This is like DEFCON 2 right? DEFCON 5 and 4 is like kind of normal. 3 is like, this is kind of bad. Something's not right. DEFCON 2, man, this is headed towards war. That's the next step for us. So collapse here. Let me give you kind of a definition for what this looks like. The definition is to fall or cave in, to crumble suddenly. And this is the idea that what should have stayed stable that what should have been foundational, what should have been right and healthy, wasn't. And collapse, let me tell you what, what this feels like. Collapse feels like betrayal. 
And the thing about the word collapse or the word betrayal is I don't have to paint a word picture for you to identify with this in the context of relationships. Because you can probably identify a moment or a year or a relationship that once was that no longer is. That seemed to have everything going for it. That seemed to be on the right track. That everything seemed to be healthy. But then all of a sudden, it wasn't. The, the, another, a word picture that I did see or in my mind, I spent like 20 minutes watching videos on YouTube about this, which is just foolish, I know, but I have ADD, HD, HDD. It was the, the, when you see uh, the, the, those guys that d- demolish and destroy a building and they explode it where it implodes. I don't know what those guys are called, but they wire up all the foundational pillars through the building and then they set the charge and you see it. And then all of a sudden, this building collapses inward and they've got it to science to where it doesn't destroy anything else around, only the confines of the building. Then all of a sudden... You just see the the smoke and the ash and the dust below. And some of you know what that feels like. To wake up one morning and and you're having a conversation that day that you never thought you would have. Or to find out that someone who made the vows at the altar, those, those very sacred vows, that they were just broken and destroyed. To feel like that childhood friend that you've known for years or whatever it is, maybe the parents that you grew up with that you felt were going to always be stable, and they weren't. So what do we do when we're facing collapse? What do we do when we're facing the inevitability of what should have been? And isn't that the part that's frustrating? Is the emotion and the feeling that's justifiable is this isn't right. I didn't do anything wrong. That's what collapse feels like. What do I do with that? Where do I go? I want to read a passage of scripture that I found, and and I just this has been something that's been a strength for me. You know, one of the antonyms of, of collapse is to build up. And I think when we face collapse, we feel like there is no hope. And it will never be strong again. But listen to God's promise to you and me found in Psalm 34, verses 18 through 20. It says this, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Isn't that so good? The Lord, I love this part, the Lord is near the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. You know what the word brokenhearted means? It literally means shattered. Like I just get the image. I don't know about you. I'm an imaginative individual. Uh, I really do have ADD, HD, ADD. I don't even. I created it because my mind is so scattered. And so I just picture my mind like you ever been emptying the dishwasher? Uh, my wife told me I had to do that. So you empty the dishwasher and you drop that glass and it shatters into a million pieces. Like, oh my gosh! Give me the broom. Stay out of the kitchen. Give me some flip-flops quickly. Don't move. Right? You know what I'm talking about? Like, ah, I gotta just jump up on the counter like it's a plague. That's what this imagery of the brokenhearted, the word means shattered. Like somebody just took your heart and dropped it. 
Most of us can identify with that feeling. Let me be honest. I've been the one to shatter some hearts. I don't know about any of you. I've been the one that had to come and have a conversation because some promises that I made I didn't stick true to. So I've been on the receiving end of having my heart broken, but I've also been the one to shatter those. But look at the promise for you and for me. The Lord is near the brokenhearted. And he saves the crushed in spirit. Look at this next passage. It says this. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Look at verse 20. Check this out. Verse 20. He keeps all his bones and not one of them is broken. And what this isn't referring to is that uh, you'll never experience a broken bone in your body as you live on this earth if you are one that follows Jesus. That's not what he's saying. But bones represent here the internal structure, the foundation of your physical body, right? You ever broken a bone? The great thing is 99.99% of the time when you break a bone, it will heal. They may have to set it. They may have to screw some plates in there and put some pins in. And you may have to walk on crutches for a little while if you break a leg. But what is happening on the inside is God created and hardwired us that we will naturally heal. And as you get older, you don't heal as well as you used to. But still, God's hardwired this thing. And that's what this passage is saying is that he keeps all his bones so that even if you feel brokenhearted, even if you feel like you're left in the rubble, in the dust of the collapse of the building of your life, that God is intricately working on the inner parts of who you are and doing a healing work. And here's my challenge to you. If you're here and you're facing collapse, stand. If you're facing conflict, take responsibility. But if you're facing collapse, stand. Just stay standing. One of the jobs that I do as a pastor is to sit down with people and help put the pieces back together after poor choices have been made or when life just happens and feels frustrating or overwhelming. And I can't tell you how many countless conversations I've had across the table at a Starbucks or in my house where a husband and a wife or an individual, a young man, a young woman, just weeping and crying and looking at the broken pieces of their life. Having walked through some kind of collapse and it's as if you can smell the aroma of the dust that hasn't even settled yet. And if you hear them speak in those moments, let me tell you the sound that comes out of their mouth. It's despair. Discouragement. And hopelessness. Every time. Anger too. And if you are to say, hey, you think you'll make it in that moment, most will say, no way, I can't even imagine how I'll survive this. But my favorite conversations are the ones just a few months down the road, sometimes quite a few months, but nonetheless, where that same individual, that same couple will sit down and say, I don't know how we're here. If you were to rewind the tape, I'd say it would be impossible, but we're here, and here's the crazy thing, Pastor Kerry. Our relationship is better now than it ever has been before. I don't know how we got here. I do. You just stayed standing. Just stand. We want to just 
man, it's overwhelming. And sometimes this is the only way you can stand. But just stand. Ephesians talks about this and it paints this picture of how we're going to face battles and trials and that God's given us the tools to know how to fight these battles and, and they take it this metaphor and they call it an armor of God and, and Paul unpacks this. And, but there's one verse where he, he alludes to just this and it says this in Ephesians 6, 13. It says, therefore, put on the full armor of God. In other words, make sure you have the tools needed to, to fight the battles that are in front of you. Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, when you feel like you can't fight anymore, when it feels like the dust will never settle and hope will never be restored, what does Paul say to do? Stand. Stand. Sometimes that's all you can do. I don't know, any of you guys ever been in karate or taekwondo, anybody? I think every boy who grew up in the 80s at least did until Greenbelt, and after that you had to really actually care. And you get in this karate, now if you're into karate, I, I love you, I can probably still beat you up, but it's not important. I did, got into karate, one of the first things, y'all, I didn't hear any laughter there, that was interesting. But one of the first things they teach you in, in taekwondo is they teach you how to fall, but they also teach you how to stand. Does it feel like Bruce Lee in here? Like, it just got real. Do y'all feel that? They teach you how to stand. Now, not like this. You stand like this, you're like a weeble wobble. Anybody? Ladies? Sorry. Not like this. Not like this. They teach you to stand like this. Why? First of all, I just look really good like this. <laughs> Sorry. Had a lot of fun in first service. You know what this is? I'm ready to take a, I'm ready to take a punch. Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> feel this? Man, if I want to do a roundhouse kick to the face, I am ready. Are y'all feeling this? I like that form, don't you? You know what else it is? I can also throw a punch if I need to. And if you run at me full force and you hit me, feels good, doesn't it? Some of you are so embarrassed you brought your friend to church today. I'm ready for whatever comes. I may not want it to come, but I'm ready. You know what the best way to stand? It's with your homies on either side of you, too. <laughs> and sometimes that's what we need in life. Sometimes that collapse. Yeah. Yeah. You take a punch, you take another punch. And I can't bleeding out. I don't you got to have somebody with you to stand up and fight with you. Right. Some of the best people to stand next to you may be seated next to you in the seats you're in right now. Because I'm telling you right now, you will probably face collapse. And that dust is blinding. You can smell it and feel destruction. And what you can't feel is hope. But Jesus said, I'm near the brokenhearted. And I'm working on the infrastructure. You just make sure to stand. You face conflict. You face collapse. And you're going to face crisis. You're going to face crisis. Crisis is DEFCON 1. War is imminent. It is here. 
this just went from a fender bender to a head-on collision, and care flight is on the way. Crisis. Look at the definition of crisis. A time of intense difficulty, trouble, or danger. A dramatic emotional or circumstantial upheaval in a person's life. Crisis is when a doctor calls you and says, hey, you need to come see me, we need to talk. Crisis is when you're signing the divorce papers. Crisis. I mean, you, you know, crisis is the loss of a loved one. The loss of a, crisis is most, more often than not, crisis is, is something that just happens in life. And sometimes choices that we make can lead to that, but nobody's begging for crisis. It just tends to show up. And it sucks the life right out of us. Crisis is a financial disaster ahead of you that you literally do not know how you will make it. What do you do there? How do you handle that? Where do you go when crisis is imminent and it's in front of me? Most of the time what we do, most of the time is we start scrounging to try to control and manipulate everything in our life because it seems like everything is out of control and and what was once okay is now no longer okay and so I'm trying to manipulate and coerce and I feel here's the thoughts that I have maybe if I have enough faith and so I close my eyes tighter and I pray longer sometimes we might be praying and we don't see something change and that's challenging isn't it We start trying to work harder, give more, and I'm just doing everything I can, and and really what that is is an attempt to try to cling to the very things that have led to disappointment already. It's control. I try to control it. Crisis is this unknown. making adjustments and everything I know, but the problem with control is it's an illusion. (laughs) It's an illusion. You and I aren't really in control anyways. The Bible says that we're not promised tomorrow. You guys are all alive today and you're looking pretty good, but we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Not that we need to live in fear, but that's a reality. So we're not really in control anyways. We just were under the illusion that we were because we're on this highway feeling like everything's golden until what? Crisis. So what do I do? When I'm facing conflict, you know what I do? I take responsibility. When I'm facing collapse, I stand. I just stay standing. And when I face crisis, I let go. I didn't say give in. I didn't say walk away. I didn't say give up. But I let go. I'm not in control anyways. God, there's nothing that I can do about this. I'm dependent upon you. Control makes me think if I work harder, think harder, have more faith, then maybe that will change things. But wisdom and faith says, well, what are some things that I can adjust? 
And after that, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to hope. I'm going to have faith and I'm going to pray. And ultimately, God, I'm going to let you be in charge. Because you are anyways. Any of you guys ever been rock climbing before? Or have you ever done one of those team building exercises where you go to ropes course and they talk about feelings and emotions and it's supposed to help you work better together, but you're just wearing a really uncomfortably awkward harness? Anybody? Yeah, three of you. The rest of you, okay, great. I went to a summer camp a few years back and, and we were doing this rock climbing, rock, ropes course, like team building exercise and it was a lot of fun. I love that. I'm not really too afraid of very much and so I was excited about this and one of the, the big ones, like the big deal, like everybody, this is the big one, is the leap of faith. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You shimmy up this like 4,800 foot pencil Right? You're wearing an uncomfortable harness that was obviously made by a woman to torment a man. Can I get an amen from some people? It's like tight in all the wrong places, and they attach a rope to it though, so you're jerked through the air, right? And it's just horrible. And Climb up this little pencil. It's not really it's like a telephone pole, but the top's like eight inches tall. And you get on top of it, and you're like shaking, trying to stand up. And then say, okay, on the count of three, jump! Like, you are crazy. There's a barbell, I don't know, it feels like it's 7,000 feet away, but it's probably three and a half. It doesn't matter. I'm 80 feet in the air. And they want you to jump and grab that barbell, or whatever it is, a trapeze, and swing from it. It's kind of like life. Get that uncomfortable harness on that just really is awkwardly uncomfortable. And so there are parts of life that are like that too, right? Just awkwardly uncomfortable. Then you've got the climb ahead of you. One foot over the other, one hand over the other, and 60 feet, 80 feet. Sometimes it just feels like you're always climbing. Then you get to the top, and now I've got to jump. You know what crisis feels like? It feels like jumping and missing the bar. Your heart shoots up into your throat and you want to throw up and just sleep. Anybody? And we panic. And some of you might be in the midst of crisis right now, standing on the top of the pole or suspended in air, reaching for the trapeze bar, freaking out. You know the one component that we forget about in this story? The rope guy on the bottom. Who's got a rope attached to my harness and a beard down to his knees, and Tiva sandals on, and he doesn't wear deodorant because he loves the mountains. <laughs> He's anchored to the ground. Every time I climb, he pulls the slack out of that rope to make sure I don't get tangled up in my own mess. I'm at the top, and I think it's just me and the pole and the bar, and that's it. Like, my life depends on how strong or great my jump is. But it really doesn't matter, does it? Because if I fall, that rope guy's got it. He's done this 578,000 times. He's coached people through it more times. He's seen people jump and fail, jump and succeed. He's seen people climb to the top only to climb back down again. He's not surprised by anything. He knows exactly the tension and the weight He's got this. 
And that's how we handle crisis. We don't focus on the pole, the distance between me and the bar, whether or not I can grab it or not. We just remember the rope guy's got this. You tracking with me today? If you're facing crisis, you need to know that God's got this thing. The scripture says he never leaves us nor forsakes us. And that's not just for some people. It's for you too. He has this thing. So if you're facing conflict, take responsibility. If you're facing collapse, stand. If you're facing crisis, just let go. God's got you covered. How many of you in here would just say, you know, I face some of these things and, and I need some prayer. Would you just raise your hand? Awesome. Hands all over the room. No shame. Let me just pray for us right now. Can we do that? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, we just thank you that you are the rope guy. That you know the problems we're facing before they've become a problem and you know the solution. God, you know the hope that you have for us. Like the word says, a promise and a hope to give us a future. But God, the truth is sometimes we just struggle through this. We just need help. So God, I pray you lean in for those of us that are facing some very real conflict right now. Help us to know how to take the responsibility we need to and to live the life you've called us to live. And God, for those of us that are facing collapse, which is overwhelming, God. I just pray that you'd help us to stay faithful and stand. God, for those of us that are facing crisis, to remember just to let go. That you've got this no matter what. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Just a few more seconds in our service today. If you're regular with us, don't tune out. If you're here with us for the very first time, we're so glad you're here. But I just want to talk to all of you for a moment. We exist as a church for one reason. Because we want to help people get connected to who Jesus is. No matter what you're facing in any relationship, you don't have the strength you need. I don't either. We need to start a relationship Jesus and he gives us the strength to take care of the mess and let me tell you how easy this is you don't have to have the right heritage and here's even better news if you're like me and you've got a kind of a jacked up past you don't have to make it all right before you start that relationship God loves you and me exactly as we are but there's a starting point and it's a decision of faith which is just to believe say, Jesus, I'm going to give you my life. You might say, you don't understand how my past is. And I would just tell you, you don't know my past. I feel so separated from God. Well, yeah, the Bible talks about a separation called sin. There's a consequence for that. But Jesus paid that price for you and for me. And when we start a relationship with him, he comes in and starts to revolutionize the way that we do life. Life doesn't get perfect, but gosh, it gets so good. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus today, in a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer with no embarrassment to you. Right where you're seated, I want to challenge you 
to just make this prayer your own. And hey, look at me for a moment. Some of you are in this room and you've been running from God and playing with your faith. Today's a day to make a change. I want to challenge you to pray this prayer with me. Make that commitment again. And let's make God the Lord of everything we do. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Nobody looking around, nobody moving. If you're here and you've never prayed this prayer before, if you're here and, and you've, you've been running from God and you need to pray this prayer for the first time in a long time, I want to just challenge you. Would you just repeat this after me in your own heart? Nobody has to hear you. It's a simple prayer, but make it real. You say, dear God, I know that you love me. You've given me purpose. God, I need you. got some issues in my life and some sin and, but I need you just make this statement your own it's a very simple statement in your own heart to say Jesus I give you my life if you prayed that prayer with us today we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you would you email us at info at the and if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Please email us at info at theocmovement.com. And if you were not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Please send us an email at info at theocmovement.com. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.